diagnose and assess and come up with ways to solve reading difficulties in early childhood learners? What if I just started doing that in her classroom, on her turf? What do you think she would say? Oh, please share with us. We would love to glean your wisdom. She would say, what are you doing? Who do you think you are? You're no PhD. (laughs) Who do you think you are to come here and teach? What if I showed up at Paul Daly? I don't see him here, but what if I showed up at Paul Daly's event? I think he's going to be in Tampa tomorrow for the Automotive State of the Union uh, uh, event that's taking place tomorrow. And I started talking to uh, business leaders automotive in, in the automotive industry and starting to tell them how they can increase profits in their automotive industry. What would Paul say after laughing hysterically? What if I went to OIP Mattydale and just walked into OIP Mattydale and just started, hey, guys, let me show you how to make pizza. Let me show you how to do the char-grilled thing with the honey and all that stuff, right? What if I, guys, here, Joe's got it all wrong, right? What would Joe's employee say to me? This guy doesn't have a clue, right? Credentials. Credentials. You got to understand kind of the, what's going on in the mind of these chief priests, right? He's in the temple. He's in the religious leader's home turf. This is their domain, the temple. And he's teaching them. He's doing the work of the priests and the scribes and the teachers, right? He's doing their work in their place. He's assuming some kind of right in their mind. He's assuming some kind of authority. And as they understood, that authority had to be passed on. It had to be given. It had to be earned. It had to be placed in the person who assumed such a role as a teacher. So who gave you this? We didn't. We didn't train you. We didn't raise you up. We didn't confer on you the right or the authority to do these things. Who do you think that you are? And even that question, really gets at the heart of what's going on in the mind of the chief priests. They don't come to Jesus with a certain amount of curiosity. Hey, guys, let's go see where Jesus got his authority from. Wouldn't that be cool? They're not curious. No, they're challenging him. Where did you get this authority, pal? Really, if you get under the surface, who do you think you are? Right? If they question Christ's authority, really what they do is question his identity. That's the same for us. Who do you think you are? As far as they're concerned, Jesus has no right. Jesus has no place. He has no jurisdiction. He has no credentials. Therefore, Jesus has no authority to be doing this. And I wonder, as I thought about this, if we subconsciously even wrestle with the teaching of Jesus in this way. Maybe during a message. Maybe during sermons. Maybe during conversations where Uh, uh, another brother or sister in Christ is counseling you on sensitive matters in your life. Maybe it's when you read the Scriptures. 
Maybe it's uh, whenever Jesus' teaching seems to intersect with your life, with your decisions, with your goals. Do we consciously or subconsciously hear Christ's words, hear Christ's teaching, and do we say to ourselves, what authority do you have to say that? Or say it differently, who do you think you are, Jesus, in my life? Who does Jesus think he is to speak with such authority over my time? Who does Jesus think he is to speak with such authority with my money? My business. My career. My hopes, my dreams, my marriage, my thoughts. Who does Jesus think he is to speak with such authority over my thought life? What about my priorities? What about my body? There's a relevant one this week. Who is Jesus? What is the Scriptures? His teaching have any right to speak with any kind of authority over my life, my body. As far as you're concerned, maybe you've concluded that Jesus has no right. He has no place, no jurisdiction, no credentials, and therefore Jesus has no authority. Or at the very least, we put limits on it. You recognize to some degree, yeah, Jesus has authority, but man, it's got limits. There's a lot of yeah, buts that go on in your head. Yeah, but I don't know if it goes that far. We limit it. So as we question or limit Jesus' authority, what we're doing is we are questioning or limiting his identity in our life. Make no mistake about it. That's what they're doing here. And so Jesus responds. We see verse 24, 25. He says, I will also ask you one question. And if you tell me the answer, then I also will tell you by what authority I do these things. Here's the question. The baptism of John. From where did it come? From heaven or from man? You're asking me about the source of my authority. I'm going to ask you a follow-up question, which is typical in in rabbinical debates, right? A question, then a a follow-up question. Which is it? The baptism of John. Did it come from heaven, or did it come from man? That's an interesting response, right? Like, is Jesus changing topics? Is he sidestepping the question? Is he changing the topic Why would Jesus connect the answer to their question by asking a question about the ministry, the baptism of John the Baptist? How do those two interrelate? Why is that a connection that Jesus makes? I think that's an important question for us this morning. Well, quick background about the ministry of John the Baptist. If you remember, 
right? He was a prophet. He did ministry in the wilderness of Judea. People came out to him to hear him preach. He preached a baptism of repentance, right? They came out and they were baptized by him. And Matthew, in chapter 3, already told us about John the Baptist and starts to make connections to the ministry of Jesus. So maybe we go back and let Matthew help us out a little bit. So if you go to Matthew 3, 3, he says this as he quotes Isaiah 43, 40, verse 3. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Isaiah 43 talks about someone who would come as a forerunner who would prepare. And it would prepare the people of God for who? The Lord. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Matthew 11, verse 10, quotes another prophet. Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, I send my messenger. And he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. So he asked him a question. Where did the ministry of John the Baptist come from? Did it come from heaven or from man? The stakes are high, how they answer this question. Matthew's already told us that John the Baptist came to prepare, to be a forerunner, to prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. That John the Baptist would be a messenger, a voice crying in the wilderness that would what? Be an indication that the imminent coming of the Lord would occur in a temple. So the stakes are high. So this question puts the leaders back on their heels. They answer, the answer that they give is going to have massive implications. If John's ministry was from heaven, as promised, according to Isaiah and Malachi, then this is massive implication for the, uh, the identity and the authority of Jesus. Massive. That would make Jesus this Lord who has now appeared in the temple. I hope you see that. That's that's what that would mean. Do you see the connection that Jesus is making with that question that Matthew has made all along? And if this were true, then Jesus would have divine credentials. He would have absolute authority and every right to be doing what he is doing in his temple. The stakes are very high, very high. They question his authority. They question his identity. And now we see how they come to a a, a kind of attempt an impossible task. And we'll get to that in a minute. Verses go on to tell us they discuss it amongst themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he'll say to us, then why didn't you believe in him? Which will mean, why don't you believe in me? But if we say from man... We're afraid of the crowd, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they come together, they kind of huddle up. Fellas, they kind of whisper, what are we going to do? You say from heaven, he's going to say this. You say from man, he's a 
upset the crowd. They understand that to answer either way put them in a place of un, a, 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 a place of unsafety. They wouldn't be safe. So they think about it a little bit. They deliberate. They recognize that submitting to Christ's authority is unsafe. But yet, to not recognize the ministry of John would upset the crowd, so that would be unsafe for us. Right? When To talk about the first point, they understand that if Christ's authority and identity is what Matthew has revealed and now Jesus is, is pointing to, that that would be an unsafe answer for them. Because to submit to the authority of Christ in this moment would radically reorder their lives. It would turn it upside down. It would, it would threaten everything that's so secure in their life, right? Especially the approval of men. That's where they get their security. And so to, 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 to lose their stature in place and submit themselves to Christ, they would lose that which gave them security in this world. And to do so, to submit to Christ, would remove them from the throne of their own kingdom. Which I wonder if those fears and concerns aren't the similar kinds of concerns and fears that we have even in our own lives. Like, man, if I give myself up and I surrender and see and respond to who Jesus is, then that means that I am going to, my life is going to be reordered. That means that I'm going to lose things that, I, that really give me the kind of comfort and security that I have in this life. If I submit to Jesus, then that means that I'm no longer going to be on the throne of the kingdom I'm trying to establish in my life. And so they want to play it safe. And so they play dumb. Right? The text goes on to tell us, so they answer Jesus, we do not know. They play it safe. They play dumb. And he says to them, neither will I tell you by what authority that I do these things. Leaving us with some kind of a, a, a cliffhanger, with tension that remains. He's not going to play their game. Yes, these things will be answered in time, and he will. Ha he's, he's not avoiding conflict here. Actually, the conflict is going to increase. It's going to lead to his death and, and his crucifixion. And, but it's going to happen in his perfect way. It's going to happen in his perfect timing. He's not going to play games with the chief priests and the scribes and the religious leaders. He's going to lay down his life in his way, in his timing. As his authority, even in this. Amen? They play dumb. They play it safe. And again, maybe I'm just making, just, just stretching it here to our own lives, but I, I kind of think we play it safe too with Christ's authority, with his identity. I think we play it safe. I think we like to keep certain things up in this maybe not sure, uncertainty, gray area 
when things are clearly black and white in Scripture, we like to overthink and overtalk and over nuance to keep it kind of out there so it doesn't have to hit home in our lives. We like to answer things in reference to the Scriptures with answers like, I don't know. Keeps it safe. I think we struggle with this. That as Christ's teaching and His life-transforming truth intersects our lives, we want to keep it in a safe place. We attempt to avoid Jesus' authority. Why? Because it's safer. It keeps our options open. It allows us to protect what we love in this life. To build our own kingdom. And yet not be conclusive about Him. But if we seek to avoid Christ's authority, we attempt an impossible task. You cannot avoid the authority of Jesus, friend. It's unavoidable. To try to avoid the authority of Jesus, given His identity, is an impossible task. So I would hope that the Spirit of God would just motivate us to just to, to think differently about this this morning. I remember having conversations with my father. There's a lot of Dave-isms that I love and chuckle at. You know, I would probably be complaining about something or maybe as a child demanding something from him. Maybe in the checkout aisle, like maybe some baseball cards or a pack of gum. And I'd be like, Dad, come on, let me, let me have it. Dad, no, I don't have any money for that. I don't have any money. Yeah. No, no, no. I don't know. Is that your tone, Dad? I don't know. I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we'd be, and, and I would have to, I would end up saying like, Dad, you have to. You must. It's like the only thing I had left was something in a moment. You've got to get this for me. And he would say, the only thing I have to do is pay taxes and die. That was it. It was like, that's it. The only thing I have to do, the only obligation I have is not to you. The obligation is to pay taxes and to die. Right? So as a kid, like, well, I guess those are the only obligations there are. I guess that's an unavoidable reality. We're going to pay taxes. To avoid paying taxes is avoiding the authority of the IRS. And it's only a matter of time before they come get you. And obviously to avoid death is to try to avoid and sidestep natural law. It's unavoidable. You could, again, you could say that the chief priests and the scribes are trying to avoid the issue. But they're just delaying the inevitable. And I wonder if you do this as well. Just kind of putting it off. Playing safe. Right? Not dealing with it. And this passage brings us face to face with the authority of Christ and His, His identity as Lord. So today, deal with this. Consider the authority and the identity of Jesus Christ. He's the Lord. He's God. And He has come fulfilling all of His promises. And He's come physically in the temple. And He's teaching. He's instructing. He's revealing. See Him for who He really is. Deal with this today. Don't delay. And I say that in an ultimate sense. Like, ultimately, in your life. Turn away from yourself 
in your own authority, your own kingdom, your own comforts in this life. Turn away from those things and turn to Jesus. In an ultimate sense, in faith and in trust, repenting, resting and relying upon Him. Do that. But maybe there's situations or ethical things in your life, behaviors. There's sins in your life maybe that keep you ignoring, keep you justifying yourself in some kind of intellectual thought or nuancing or yeah, but, but, but what about constantly over and over and over again when the Scriptures are just clear, the Scriptures are just plain, this is who the Lord is and this is what He calls you to do. Maybe you hear that voice in your head often. Did God really say when it all started? When His Word, His teaching, His authority was called into question. Maisie, did God really say? Do you ever hear that voice? That's a competing voice that points you away from Christ's identity and His authority. And He lures you away in the false promise that you can do it apart from Him, that you can sidestep, that you can nuance, that you can the unavoidable, that you can do the undoable. You cannot avoid the authority of Jesus Christ. Don't play it safe. At least in the way that the chief priests do. So as we continue here, here's where I want to end. Submit yourself today to the unquestionable, unavoidable authority of Jesus Christ. Submit yourself to Him. Submit yourself. See who He is. He's the Lord. He's in His temple. Hear who He is made to be. Right? What God has done, I should say, in exalting Him and bestowing on Him His name. Philippians 2. Therefore God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Do you know Him as Lord? He's Lord. There is no higher name, no greater name, that has authority higher than Jesus. He's Lord. Submit to Him. He's Lord of all. When it says every name, that's your name too. Every knee. Every knee shall bow. That's your knee. You may not do that in this life. You may stubbornly refuse. You may lack faith in Christ and who He is. But one day, the Scriptures say, that you will stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and you will confess. Your knee will bow. So why delay? Why, why avoid the unavoidable? See Him and submit to Him. His unquestionable, unavoidable authority. Do that today.
remember, in an anti-authority age where we're so skeptical, where we so struggle to trust, remember how Christ exercises His authority. If you remember John 13, right? John's account of Holy Week, where they're in the upper room together. Jesus knowing where He came from. Jesus knowing all that God had, the Father had given to Him. And that He was returning back to glory. Knowing these things. Understanding His identity. Understanding His authority. What does Jesus do in that moment? John tells us that He gets up from the table. He grabs a washcloth. And He goes over. And He begins to wash His disciples' feet. Let's not forget to savor the authority that is in Christ Jesus. It is a sweet authority. It serves. Right? It gives. It it sacrifices for the good of those under His authority. It's a benevolent authority, we would call it. We can submit ourselves to Jesus because He loves us. He serves us. He gives Himself up for us. He endures such hostility at the hands of sinners so that He might set these sinners free. Amen? Imagine that moment, parent, and maybe you see it once in a blue moon, where in the midst of this, this child that is railing its arms and kicking and screaming and refuses to obey, refuses to submit to authority, who tries to sidestep, who tries to avoid, who tries to call all the own shots in their lives and refuses to obey, and all of a sudden they come to the end of themselves and they realize that the only safe way to go now is to just run into the arms of mom or dad and totally submit. And what does mom and dad do after spanking them 47 times? No, what does mom or dad do? Embrace. It's this one of the sweetest, most wonderful moments as a parent when a child comes humbly and they stop fighting, they stop pushing back, and they're just embraced. And they're welcomed back. Stop kicking and screaming with Christ's authority. The way to freedom is not to push it away but to grab a hold of it and embrace Him and hold Him. Freedom is found in submitting yourselves to Jesus. Amen? Have that moment with your Creator, with your Savior, with your Redeemer. Again, in an ultimate sense, but maybe in a particular situation or ethical thing or, or, or behavior that you're, uh, that, you're, that you're doing in your life. Just run into His arms. He's going to wash your feet. He's going to lay His life down. He's going to grant grace to you. Amen? Let's not forget the kind of authority that Christ has. It is indeed unavoidable. It is unquestionable. It is eternal. It is universal. It's absolute. But it's also benevolent and sweet. So submit to Him. He said, everyone who then hears these words of mine and does them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, but it did not fall. Because it had been founded on the rock. 
we see a twist here. We originally said submitting to Christ's authority is so unsafe. But we actually see that there's nothing safer than submitting to Christ's authority. Don't be fooled, friend. Right? It did not fall. The winds come. The rain falls. What happens? It doesn't fall. There's no safer place for you than living a life of total submission to Jesus. Amen? So do that today. Submit yourself to the unquestionable, unavoidable, benevolent, safe authority of Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray.